Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 85. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation, as the 2022 NFL season officially comes to a close with the Kansas City Chiefs, your Super Bowl champions in Super Bowl 57, beating the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35 Sunday night in Glendale. Arizona patch Mahomes MVP of a really fun game that had a pretty bitter ending but overall as Super Bowls go uh, go Dave I think that one was was pretty enjoyable yeah I thought it was very entertaining uh top to bottom I, I'll tell you this I was ready for it to kick off when it kicked off <laughs> such a late kickoff uh. <laughs> man there's only so much pregame stuff and Tom Rinaldi uh, trying to make <laughs> me cry like three times before before the game. You know, he's becoming, I know this is before your time, don't uh, and I've, I've, I've said it before on the podcast, kind of the uh, the new Roy Firestone. You know, Roy Firestone used to be on ESPN uh, for, uh, for, 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 you know, several years, for a you know, long time ago, and he'd have these sit-down chats, and uh, he'd always get the athletes to cry during, uh, during these one-on-one interviews, and that's it's kind of highlighted a little bit. I think if you, uh, if you've seen Jerry Maguire before, uh, you know, it, it's kind of not, I won't, won't say spoof, but, uh, was kind of, uh, sort of the, the storyline in there, but, uh, man, there were a couple of segments in there, uh, uh, you know, pregame there that he had done that, man, I really, somebody cut onion onions in my house there, but, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they string that out last game of the season and all like that. And they try to attack it from every angle, but boy, once again, by the time that thing was, uh, kicking off it seemed like uh, man let, 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 let's get this game uh underway and yeah you know, i thought the commercials were, I, you know i don't know how much you paid paid attention to the commercials i thought they were pretty decent you know overall uh i'm old you know you know i'm an old school music fan so i enjoyed the old uh men without hats uh safety dance uh use of that tune in there and then uh obviously the uh who's the flag football girl um uh, uh, Diana Flores. Uh, yeah, I Diana Flores. I thought, and that 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 uh, commercial obviously featured a lot of NFL players, and Cam Hayward uh, was was uh, was one of them. And you know, I thought they did a fantastic job using the Joan Jet cover of uh, uh, Wild Child uh, in that as well, too. And there were a couple other ones that that uh, that cracked 
cracked me up overall. But uh, uh, the game, you know, what was exciting? I mean, especially for the NFL, if they if if they really love offense, they uh, they got a lot of offense in that game and not so much uh, defense overall. And I really think you know the game came down to you know the second half. Uh, adjustments that uh, the uh, the Chiefs made on offense, especially in the low red zone there. Two easy, easy mm-hmm. touchdowns there, and uh, really shame on the Eagles. You know, wh- wh- how's the old saying go? Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And, uh, I mean, you got to take your hat off and hand it to to uh, to uh, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy there, and uh, I think you also got to take your hat off and hand it to Patrick Mahomes because you know in that first half, kind of later in the first half, looked like he dinged that ankle up pretty good. Again, man, drugs drugs can do some things, can't they? That that Toradol or what whatnot, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know he had a nice scramble there in the second half, and uh, you know they just. They, they made a couple more plays in the Eagles in this game, and the defense on both sides of the football really didn't show up. I, I, I didn't think overall. I mean, what was the stat last night? The Eagles had something like 70 sacks, right? Yep. Uh, on, on the season, and 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 none in that game. And I think uh, how many how many did the Chiefs have? Just one or two, and one of those was uh, I think running the quarterback out of bounds. Uh, in there, I think both offensive lines played very well overall, uh, and I didn't think the defenses played all that great. But the uh, the Chiefs have managed to get you know a few more stops. What a third down! I'm rambling here, but the third down differential in this game and the time of possession, at least for most of this game, and the amount of plays uh, ru- uh, ran, you know, by both teams was really really lopsided for a lot of the game. And in fact, man, the Chiefs only faced eight third downs uh in this game and they were four for eight and the the eagles ran 18 third down plays and were for 11 for for 18 but i once again i think it came down to uh low red zone and uh the chiefs out you know out out schemed uh the eagles in that part of the field to me the chiefs are an nba team and i mean this as a compliment in the sense of they always go on a run despite the Eagles really controlling, I won't say dominating, but controlling the first half. I mean, the Chiefs were on the field. I think the joke, and and this might be literally true, that Rihanna was on the field more by halftime than the Chiefs were in the first half. But despite that, the Chiefs were only down 10, and their offense was a master class in the second half. And like an NBA team that's down 10, 12 points in the third quarter, they can turn it on really quickly. Don't always play great defense, but lock things down late, and they just kind of really go on a hot streak and you're just trying to figure out what the heck happened whenever, you know, the chiefs have their offensive output that they had. And yeah, low red zone, getting Kadarius, Tony and Sky Moore both wide open on very similar, if not identical concepts and heck special teams as well. Tony with mm-hmm. a big punt return that set up the Sky Moore touchdown. Um, that was you know, obviously a, a massive impact play at a crucial moment. And of course, Harrison Bucker with the, uh, the game winning short field goal there. So uh, yeah, I think the Chiefs just are remarkable. The offensive line did a tremendous job. The tackles played better than I expected. Field conditions, probably a factor in that one with all the, uh, you know, toolsy pass rushers the Eagles have slipping. But uh, it's hard to bet against Mahomes, Andy Reid. Another reminder of that last night. Unfortunately, the the center stage story today is about the defensive holding call on that third down very late in the game. Should have been called. Was it the right call? Will the game be defined by this? Unfortunately, we're talking about penalties when we should be talking about what a great game this was. 
Yeah, that and the field conditions, boy, it just, I mean, it, it was evident early on players slipping all over the place and you spend $800,000 on, uh, you know, on, on the biggest game uh, in really in the sports world and to, to have that kind of stuff happen. I wonder if they, I wonder if things would have, would, would have went better had they kept the roof closed, you know, because I, I, I think they said that maybe some humidity or, or not, or, uh, I think I read something about it on one of the golf sites because I think the uh, uh, what was it not the PGA but the USA golf I forget which which entity helped kind of design uh, that turf that they used in that but wh- whatever they did I don't know too much paint or whatever mixed with conditions it it, it didn't play so that's going to be one of the storylines uh, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about here and then as you stated uh, uh, that holding penalty on Bradford as well too and. I mean, you know, they had to pull reporter with Carl Cheffers after uh, after the game. And, you know, you look at the replays at every different different angle. And, you know, it, it seems like it was the right call. You know, Bradford even said after the game, I don't know if he's just trying to, you know, just just fan it down. I, I don't know what, but I mean, he came right out and said, yeah, I hold him. I held him, was trying to get away with it. And they called mm-hmm. it and. Uh, there was a tug initially when, when, when Juju came off the line and so many words, uh, Carl Jeffers said that was, that was really the main cause of drawing, uh, the flag in that. And it was obviously in a key, key, key situation in the game where you could get off the field in that situation and, uh, they couldn't do it. So, I mean, it wasn't as tick ticky tack as what I first thought initially when it was called. Uh, I mean, I, it's still not going to, it's still not going to stop the talk because of when it happened, how late in the game and, 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 and the impact that penalty had on the game. But you know, when, it, when you boil it down, I, I think it was the right call. It was, it was, and it's the nature of the route. It's that whip route. And so obviously Bradbury was holding, trying to make sure Juju couldn't get vertical on that one because he was biting on the underneath aspect of that whip route, the inside stem and release. And so I understand it. I tweeted last night, both things can be true, and they are. It was a hold. It, it was the correct call. A flag should have been thrown. And it sucks the game had to end that way because I was really looking forward to either the Chiefs getting the end zone on that play or the Eagles stop them. They kick a field goal, and there's one last true drive the Eagles have to tie the game, win the game, whatever the case is, and to be deprived of that in an otherwise fantastic, close, competitive game with two quarterbacks that were balling out last night just sucks but it was the right call the flag needed to be thrown it was and again that's a bitter way to end it on a you know where the Chiefs aren't trying to score the Eagles are trying to let them score and you know Chiefs are going backwards to to kill clock and set up the field goal all correct moves but just kind of a crappy way to end things but end of the day get the calls right and throwing a penalty flag there was the right call Look, you mentioned a little bit earlier there, too, special teams uh, impacting this game with a long return. And let's not forget that even though it wasn't kind of a, a, a forced error, a forced, uh, forced situation on the Chiefs defense, they capitalized on it. Of course, talking about the Jalen Hurts uh, fumble and then he kicked it and and then they picked it up and ran it back for a touchdown. So they've get, they got contributions, so to speak, out of all three phases right. uh, 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 of the game. And boy, at the time that uh, right before the Chiefs got that turnover and, you know, scoop six, if you will. Uh, it really looked like this thing was had a chance to get away 
uh, from the Chiefs at the time. And that obviously got him right back in. And boy, how big a drive was that coming out of the halftime uh, there as well, too? Your quarterback's dinged up and, uh, you know, you, you, you really didn't play all that. You didn't have an opportunity. You weren't on the field a lot during that first half, as you you stated. And for the Chiefs to come out in that second half and put that drive together that they did and march down the field, that that was a pretty big turning point uh, in 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 the game as well too. And then you know the further you get into that second half, uh, there once again you know the the uh, and Dan Orlovsky has a great video on that uh, this morning uh, on his uh, Twitter feed. You know talking about the adjustments. Uh, how they paid attention to what the Eagles were doing with with some of those motions and and you know, use it against the Eagles and the Eagles have never adjusted back to it, especially mm-hmm. down, down in the, in, 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 in the low red zone there. So, uh, coaching, you know, they got it from all three phases and they got it from the coaching as well, too. Absolutely. They did. And I made the, uh, the, the quip after the Jalen Hurts fumble that Nick Bolton scooped and scored. I can't imagine that Patrick Mahomes has lost many games in which there's been a defensive or special teams touchdown working in his favor. It's hard enough to beat the Chiefs straight up as it is. And you give him seven points like that, it's starting near impossible. I believe the stat is now he's 19-2 and two in games where there's a non-offensive touchdown scored by Kansas City. And so another example of that that win last night. But yeah, good coaching, wins out. And listen, the Eagles played a good game. Jalen Hurts was fantastic besides uh, the fumble there and he responded in a huge way with a I think a touchdown drive after that mm-hmm. uh, scoop and score touchdown by by Nick Bolton so you want to give those guys credits the Eagles they're not like the Rams they didn't go all in this year the window is still very much open they're going to lose some pieces they're going to lose one if not both their coordinators but they're going to be back and Hurts is going to be an exciting player but um the Chiefs are they dynasty how close to dynasty can we can we call them uh, I mean, if they won that one against Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, right? Uh, so I, I, I think th- they're not there yet. I think they have to win one more. But yeah, uh, I mean, uh, look, they, they, they obviously are going to be when you have that quarterback. When you have the quarterback uh, position taken care of, uh, you're, you're going, you're going to be a favorite year in and year out. And, and they obviously are, are, uh, you know, depending on what sports book that you look at, uh, either co-favorites or, or outright favorites to win the Super Bowl uh, next year there. And, you know, they were just very, very balanced overall. I thought on, on, on offense there, and you look at the, you want to ball this down to the, uh, the talks, the turnover and explosive play stats there. Uh, the, the Eagles had, I think what, Five or uh, it was either five or six. Exp- uh, let me double check real, real, real quick here. Uh, the Eagles had two, three, four, five explosive plays of 20 yards or more. The Chiefs had four, but they had the turnover uh, to add on to it. So five to five. And not only did they have the turnover, that turnover ended up in the end zone so that you could really kind of call that, mm-hmm. uh, the tiebreaker there. So from that aspect, uh, you know, obviously a close game, but once again, I, I, I really thought the difference in the, in, in, in the game was, uh, you know, Mahomes was able to really show no, no, huge noticeable ill effects of that ankle injury in the second half. And then the coaching, uh, of, of, of the chiefs down in the low red zone. And then you throw right. in that, that long return by uh Kadarius Tony there. 
uh, that was really the difference in the second half. And, and, you know, the chiefs defense w- were able to get off the field and, and, and look the the penalties in the second half too. I don't think the chiefs had, had, had any, and I think the Eagles had a handful of them, didn't they? Yeah. The chiefs had a couple of costly first half penalties, some offsides on third and goal, third and short type situations. Didn't have those in the second half. So that was key. One footnote to this game. I know it'll, it'll get lost in the Mahomes plays and the penalty and the Tony plays and all that kind of stuff. But the chiefs had a pretty consistent run game and let, let's scratch the bingo card spot of the fungible position with Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round pick who ran hard, got downhill and kind of provided some stability and consistency for that ground attack, which is probably extra helpful with Mahomes dealing with that ankle injury a little bit. So, um, you know, I know it wasn't a, it wasn't the reason why they won necessarily, but you know, that, that was a good run game. The chiefs had, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And, you know, uh, <laughs> here, here's some, uh, uh, w- one thing I wanted to make sure I hit on that, that we didn't talk about in the hour, hour and a half long pre-production meeting. Uh, right. We were both up very early yeah. today. Working uh, on <laughs> the, the quarterback, I mean, we saw a lot of quarterback sneaks again, and we knew they were going to come, especially on mm-hmm. the Eagles, Eagles side of football there. And obviously that kind of, uh, rug rugby scrum push from behind there. You tweeted out during that game that uh, that uh, you think that the NFL might have to look at that. That we'll see a rule change on that. So I have two two questions uh, on that. Do you think that's going to happen this off season? And B, why do you think it should? To the first question, yes, I do. My tweet was not necessarily an in, in endorsement of the idea. It was just the thought of the NFL is going to look at this. The competition committee is going to look at this. And even in this offensive-minded world where seemingly every rule benefits you know, the offense, I think they're going to look at this and say, this is a borderline unstoppable play where the defense just simply has no solution. I know Chris Jones was trying to go all Troy and leap over the pile, and that didn't even work. Um, I think they're going to look at this and they're going to try to tweak this to make this less of, of a cheat code than it is. What was the second part of your question? Yeah, just why, you know? Yeah, just because it is that unstoppable play. I mean, the success rate is, I don't know the exact numbers, but I imagine north of 90%. And, you know, can you eliminate that entirely? No, but my guess is they would do something like you can only have one pusher or you know, the pusher can't be right behind the quarterback. There has to be X amount of yards for that guy to be able to push or something like that, just so you can't get this rugby scrum, like you mentioned, that makes this essentially an unbeatable play. Do you think they'll look at it from an in, from, from a uh, injury standpoint? Uh, I don't think this, have there been injuries? No, I'm just, I'm just asking if that will be brought up. Uh, I don't think so. I think it'll be just the... The, the defense has no recourse. There's no way a defense can stop that play because if you're a DC and, and players have talked about this, how do you stop that play? Right. I have no idea. And neither do the chiefs. Neither does the, the entire NFL. And I'm not mad at anybody for running that play. I think it's, I think what the Eagles have done is really cool. And the constraint plays to run off of that, the toss plays like they, they built they overthought out of, that one though. <laughs> well, yeah, that was that was that third and one toss was bad, but just like against the Steelers this year, they ran one of those. You know, it looks like they're going to sneak and they, they pitch it out wide. And, you know, they're building a playbook out of quarterback sneaks, which is super cool, super innovative. But I think the NFL, the competition committee will step in right or wrong. I'm just saying, I believe they will try to adjust the, uh, the method there. And you think they should? I mean, I I feel maybe less strongly about that they should. 
I kind of lean towards they probably they probably should just because again, is it if a defense literally can't stop a play, then you should probably maybe look at it a little bit. Um, but I it was that tweet was kind of more about I believe the NFL will step in as opposed to the NFL should step in. Yeah. Has there been any topic of conversation on that? I don't know if the league has commented on it. I know players have talked about it and kind of vented frustration or sometimes even the offensive players are like, yeah, this is a super good play. We have no idea how we would stop this as a defense. We're glad that we're running it and that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and become because it's become pretty popular, the Steelers have done variations of that this year with the pushers. Um, I think it's happened league wide enough for the league to say we got to examine, maybe tweak this thing a little bit. All right, that'll be interesting. That along with the uh, the hip drop tackle, you know, uh, which they should not change. That'd be so dumb right. if they eliminated that. But right. they probably will do something with that as well. Uh, one thing to mention here, obviously, for a Steelers fans' perspective, had two former Steelers playing in this game: Javon Hargrave for the Eagles and Juju Smith-Schuster for the Chiefs. Now, Juju becomes a Super Bowl champion and had a pretty key role in the second half of this one, including, of course, being a targeted receiver on that penalty by. James Bradbury on third down at the end of the game there. So kudos to Juju. Uh, he went to KC to to win, and now he's won. He ended up leading the Chiefs in receptions last night as well, too, with seven. Mm. Uh, who would have guessed that over yeah, Kelsey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who would have had that on the bingo card? Why do you think uh, he's such a – is it just one of those it wouldn't matter? It wouldn't matter who it is. It, it, he's no longer – you tweet him. I think the I, I I said this on a podcast the other day. You know, before we were picking a game. I was rooting for uh, the Chiefs and the uh, and, and, and Juju, but I thought the Eagles would win overall. Uh, I, I why, why is he so polarizing? Is it just because ah uh, he's no longer a Steeler? Why or is it the TikTok videos mixed in with that? Is it the oh well he. He uh, he left for, for I I got it all in a Twitter feed last night. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's probably I, all the above. All right, uh, look, I I I was rooting for him. Uh, I'm not I'm not bashful about saying that. I was glad to see. I don't think you know other could he have could we have done without some of those TikTok videos for a couple of years there? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I I just think that's part of players building their 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 brand nowadays. So uh, good for him. Look, he bet on himself. And uh, he essentially won, and now he's going to be a free agent again. He made it clear last night in the post game uh, interview on 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 with the NFL Network that you know he wants to he wants to resign uh, with the Chiefs. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens uh, uh, with them. That uh, oh, forgot to mention that Nick Bolton boy, he was all over the field, wasn't he, for the Chiefs? Yeah. 180 tackles in the regular season. When I saw that Man. a couple of days ago, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I didn't love him coming out of Missouri, but he's He's proven me wrong, man. Uh, he, he seemed to be all over the field, but, uh, yeah, Juju gets a ring. We'll see what happens to him this off season. And, uh, uh, Chris Oladokun, uh, <laughs> get, gets a ring on, uh, that, that's a little uh, thorn in your side to end the season there because, you know, you were, you were pretty, uh, animate about, you know, the, the, the Steelers, you know, well, you predict a, you predicted it would happen. Uh, against you wanting it to happen <laughs> and then you know got zero time basically during camp and 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 the preseason there and off he goes to be a part of the Chiefs practice squad for 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 most you know most of the season there and now look with uh with their back with their veteran backup quarterback uh announcing right after the game that he was he's retiring uh 
if I, I if I'm Oladokun at at this point, I I resign a futures contract with the Chiefs. Yeah, Chad Henney retiring after a long NFL career. I, I'm not mad at Oladokun. I'm happy for the guy. Oh no, really no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that you're mad at him. Yeah, no. I. Yeah, I just I think it's really cool that he went from just complete just afterthought in Pittsburgh's literally zero reps until the very end of training camp to have a Super Bowl ring. Been a heck of a year for that guy. So I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah, with Juju, you know, some of the things he did in Pittsburgh, it was warranted for criticism. I think some of the dancing on the logos was, you know, you're going to get criticized for that. And that's probably taking it too far, crossing the line. But generally speaking, you know, whenever guys have big personalities and kind of are who they are, it's it's going to create issues. Some people will love that. And I think that's, that's great. And some people will, will hate that. And they don't like the guys that are super expressive and, um, you know, do the TikToks and that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm happy for Juju. I, I wasn't maybe rooting as hard as you were because either way, you know, Steeler was going to win a ring, Hargrave or, or, or Juju, but, um, you know, I'm happy for the guy. And as you said, he bet on himself. He basically hit all his, all of his uh, incentives, I believe for the season, including uh, the Super Bowl incentives that he had to play 50% of the snaps and for the Chiefs to win. So I think this guy cashed in huge and will we'll cash in again this offseason. Uh, and what was the other thing I had uh, in here? Um, and there's just last thing on Juju. I think the thing people forget about is all the all the injuries he's dealt with and mm-hmm. played through. I mean, I, it's not been anything. Most of the time, it's not been anything super obvious. He had the shoulder injury. Um last year with the Steelers, but he had a bunch of knee stuff. We had battle knee stuff this year, got hurt in the AFC title game. This dude has kind of been to the ringer of, of knee injuries and just stuff that, that nags at you. And he's probably worked through a lot of that, you know, late nights, early mornings to rehab. So kudos to him for it all paying off. And look, I think a lot of people forget during, you know, uh, his final seat obviously went down to what week four, week five in that game with a shoulder injury and needed surgery. And at the time looked like he was going to be lost for the season and, and, you know, his love of the game and want to come back and help his team. You know, he made it back for that, for that wild card game, uh, uh against the chiefs. So I, I think that says a lot about him as well. You know, he could have very easily mm-hmm. mailed that in and said, yep. look, I, I've, I've got to keep myself healthy here. I missed all this season as it was already. And, uh, but I thought that said a lot about him as well. Yeah. That's a great point. This guy, he loves the game. He plays hard and kudos to him for it. Would you All know right. what you were going to look up or uh, 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 it'll jump at, back out, okay. out at me here in a moment? <laughs> gotcha. here. All right. So that is a, a good overall Super Bowl. Yeah. Commercials. Eh, not that great. I like the halftime show. I think people were kind of mixed on it, but yeah, I, I obviously don't job. listen, you know, uh, 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 to Rihanna, but I thought just uh, uh, from a from a spectator spot I and mean, I thought it was very, very cool how they had to, had her way up in the air. And I thought, you know, all the, all, I guess there were phones back to the people in the stands had the phones and all. And uh, I thought it was neat. Some of the camera angles that they had on that. And uh, yeah, I thought, you know, overall, I, I, I didn't see anything wrong with the halftime show. The only thing musically I didn't like was, and I just happened, I didn't watch the, 14 hours of pregame coverage for this, this Super Bowl that, that the uh, networks do. But I saw briefly like an hour before kickoff the Jason Derulo mini concert with the uh, like robots, the dancing. Robots. Oh, yeah. Those had that. Me that was so weird. That had me. Mes- How did they do that? Uh, they, I mean, the program. Rem- were they programmed or were yeah, they? Uh, no, they're all programmed. Yeah, that's but like that, that point. is some dystopian weird stuff Ooh. that made me unsettled. Yeah, they were all in sync and. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't like that. Don't who needs that? Who wants that? Let's let's not do that. I feel like all these UFOs floating yeah. around right now, right? 
right? I was going to be another podcast. Like, I, I liked your joke about the blimp guy was probably pretty scared last <laughs> night at the Super Bowl <laughs> going be, down. Be careful, Goodyear blimp. Yeah. yeah. I'm into aliens. I'm like, I don't think it's aliens because if, it, if it's aliens, the government's not able to, sh- they're not going to shoot them down. Like, they wouldn't be possible. So I don't know what's going on. But anyway. Let's uh, let's kick it to a different conversation here. Cam Sutton, Cam Sutton's contract. Take us through the, the voidable language on that and what that means and what that does not mean, because unfortunately, there's some misinformation going around about Cam Sutton's contract. Yeah. And uh, some people will, will take what we write and uh, a not credit us, uh, as was the case with Sports Illustrated. Uh, and then they write about it and they get the info wrong <laughs> about it anyway, but this is, yeah, this isn't uh new, new news. Uh, just, there was, there was a little bit of question, I think about, uh, the date on this. Uh, but I, you know, as usual, I, I try to, you know, get a hold of Joe Corey and get to the bottom of some of these things. And it was as really as I, I had uh, uh, expected all along there. It makes generally when you see these, these, these contracts void, it's usually five business days uh, after the Super Bowl. And that is indeed the case with the Cameron Sutton uh, contract, uh, which would make it this this coming Friday, uh, the voidable years. Cause remember the Steelers is part of the last time that they signed him, uh, to that. It was essentially a two year deal because of the COVID year and ha- having to help get his, his, uh, first year contract, uh, uh, cap number down. They added three voidable years onto that. Uh, all of those will void once again on Friday, five days after the Super Bowl. So what does that mean? It just means that those extra years void. It doesn't change when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Sports Illustrated, uh, not knowing what they're writing about and trying to take someone's information and and make it theirs, uh, they wrote that he immediately becomes an unrestricted free agent. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, it just what what's happening here is his is his his uh, additional years void, and assuming that nothing's worked out before that happens, which I I think you know look stranger things have happened right. It, it does seem kind of doubtful though that the Steelers would get something done with 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 Cam Sutton between now and Friday that would prevent that dead money from rolling forward right. two point two point one million. But I mean never you know never say never right. But uh, uh, assuming that they don't get anything done with them and assuming uh, the contract, the voidable years do void on Friday, then a, you know, instantly there'll be $2.1 million of dead money on the books in Cam Sutton's name in 2023. However, comma, he does not become uh, uh, an unrestricted free agent until the start of the new league league year in the middle of March. Right. And we've seen that with many players who've had their deals void, including Ben, I guess, technically. Right. Well, Tom Brady, just look at Tom Brady a couple of years ago, you know, uh, uh, as an example of that as well, too, there. And, you know, what do they really stand to lose here? Look, he's already was going to count regardless of what happens between now and Friday. He was already going to have 700,000 of proration uh, in, you know, uh, in, in, you know, included in his 2023 uh, year as far as the cap charge goes. So what do you essentially really uh, 
uh, lose here in 2023 if you don't get something done between now and Friday? I mean, it's, it's essentially $1.4 million. Okay, so uh, that's really the the quote-unquote penalty, I guess, if you will, by not getting something worked. I, I've had a whole bunch of comments on this saying the Steelers are cheap and, and uh, you know, uh, this is just a date on the calendar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's leaving or, or can immediately sign with another team or anything like that. It's not like he, he becomes a street free agent in this situation. This is uh, a date on the calendar where the, where the voidable years void and, you know, you work forward from that point there. So that's the four one one on that. Yeah, thank you for for clarifying that. And yeah, let uh let SI Noah over there that uh, his information was totally misconstrued. It was taken from us and then written incorrectly. So double whammy there. So just and, uh, and I reached out to, to Joel Corey specifically in direct mm-hmm. messages to to make sure about that before I wrote my article uh, on five p.m. on the eleventh. Right, and so just to be clear, Cam Sutton will become a free agent like the other. Pending free agents on March fifteenth, I believe is the date. Correct. Right. Right. Start of the so, new league year. Right. So that's and when look, that we, we fully expect them to. Uh, you know, I think the general consensus is that they will get something done with him. Right. Right. And even Field Yates today for ESPN. It's always tough to tell if these are guesses or reports or some sort of cross in between. But he expects uh, wrote today that he expects Cam Sutton to to resign with the Steelers. My terrible take today is on that topic as well. So give that a listen uh, Monday afternoon. But yeah, but just to get the dates correct, he does not be- become a free agent just because the contract voids. That's for future years. He'll be, he will become a free agent, if not resign uh, prior to that on March 15th. What did, what did we learn from the uh, from the Super Bowl when it comes to the 2023 Steelers, if anything, that we didn't already know <laughs> going into the game? <laughs> I mean, score more points. We got to score more points. All I mean, right, Matt. Uh, Matt Kazora. Yeah, Matt Canada Kazora. Um, I mean, yeah, 38-35 top offenses made the you know, the Chiefs and the Eagles were among the two top scoring offenses in football. That's you know, the final four was Buffalo and uh, um not Buffalo, but but Cincinnati, Kansas City, uh the 49ers and Philadelphia. And so those are some of the best offenses uh in the NFL. And so it's no secret. Look at the past Super Bowl winners, they're all top five, top ten in, in points per game offensively. So that's where the bar needs to be. Yep. Uh, explosive plays, uh, and you, you had something about time of possession today, right? Or, or about plays, right? Yeah, it was just a little tongue in cheek to say the Steelers finished first in at least one offensive <laughs> stat in average plays per drive, which is actually you know, pretty cool 6.51 plays per drive, but still 26 in points per game. And so, even that stat shows that they're possessing the ball. And we saw what they did the second half of the year with the ball control and you know winning by big margins and time of possession and, and plays and, and that kind of stuff. But you got to finish. You got to score. It doesn't mean that much to possess the ball if you're settling for field goals or if drives are, are stalling out. Right. And so, we, you know, we didn't really learn anything that we didn't know. <laughs> no. You need a great quarterback. You need good scheme. Right. Um, yeah. And put points on the board. All right. Coming out of the Super Bowl every year, obviously, immediately the odds go up. Uh uh, for, for, for the, 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 next Super Bowl, And, you know, depending on what your favorite sports book, uh, is to look at, uh, there's, there's every year, there's usually a little bit of a span in there. And I think so far on this Monday morning, anywhere from plus 5,000 to, I, I 
you know, plus 6,000 here at the uh, Superbook uh, Westgate in, in, in Las Vegas, where a lot of lines really originate uh, from there. But uh, it, it and globally, I think if you look at all the major books, there's only about, I don't know, seven to eight teams that have longer odds than the Steelers do when it comes to Super Bowl 58. Is that, and that's the, obviously the betting public and what they think they can get as far as action and all like that. Uh, is that fair to have such, I, I don't, such long I, odds? I don't hyperanalyze it. I know that neither of us really do, but yeah, it's probably fair. Does anybody really think Pittsburgh's going to be strong Super Bowl contenders in an AFC that's going to be loaded that may be adding Aaron Rodgers? The Jets, you know, certainly could, could, could be doing that uh, sooner than later. AFC North is going to be very competitive across the board. You know, Kenny Pickett made strides. You're encouraged by by that, but can he really be ready to go toe for toe with all the all the top names? Probably not. And so for Pittsburgh, for me, my personal hope expectation as we sit here today, and it's unlikely to change, is make the playoffs, win a playoff game, do that, and I'm happy to to start things off to kind of work your way up the ladder. Right. I think it's a bit. Uh... Long story short, I think people don't need to get their feelings hurt by, by, by these odds because uh, uh, now, look, if you were to bet, I'd go for the longest odds, obviously, because you, you're, you're talking about really a long shot here. And if you can if, if you if you feel like putting a dead Benjamin Franklin on uh, on, on, on the longest odds for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl, then then find the longest odds and bet that plus six, six thousand there. But uh uh, outside of that, I, I think it is a fair kind of il- early illustration, if you will. Now, look, you still have free agency to go. You still have the draft, and that will shape things. Uh, obviously, for a few teams, I, I don't think it's going to heavily, heavily impact uh, the Steelers' odds there. But uh, anyway, that's what the betting public, at least at this point, uh, thinks about the uh, the Steelers in, in, in 2023 is that they're essentially long shots to win it. And I, I, I think that's a fair character, character, characters, yeah, characterization, yeah, yeah I characterization guess. here as we sit here in, uh, in the middle of February. Let me ask you this. Who do you think is in better position to make a playoff run next year? The Pittsburgh Steelers or the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, no, that's a great point there. Uh, because the Browns actually have slightly lower, uh, you know, shorter odds than the Steelers do. Uh, I haven't gone through their cap situation and, you know, free agency, you know, deep dive Mm -hmm. look or anything like that, but just off, just off the cuff, I, I feel better about the Steelers situation. I think than I do the Brown situation as we sit here right now. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on it because it's it's what Deshaun Watson are you going to get? You know, obviously there was so much rust to shake off and things got a bit better for him towards the end of the year, although not in the finale against Pittsburgh, but you know, it's going to come down to that. But interesting to kind of see those two teams, obviously, and then Baltimore, what happens with Lamar, report is they're going to tag him, but a trade has not been ruled out. And so obviously if he's gone, that's going to you know, dramatically change the, the shape of their franchise. So AFC North is going to be really interesting. You have Cincinnati at the top. They're going to be stable. They're going to be the favorites as they should be, as they may be for a couple of years. And then behind that, it might be a real, real fight between the Ravens, the Browns and Steelers. I mean, look, you've got some, obviously some talented teams on that AFC side right now. You know, the, the chiefs, the bills, obviously uh, the, uh, the, the, the Bengals, what are the Ravens going to be? The chargers have got still a good 
good QB situation over there. Uh, the Jaguars are up and comers, you know, now, uh, based on what they did. Uh, you know, so I mean, it, it, it's going to be a tough, tough road to, uh, to get down. Yeah, 100%. The AFC North and the AFC at large is so competitive with all these great quarterbacks and other guys that will emerge. And again, Aaron Rodgers may be playing in the AFC next year. So it is a quarterback-driven world. It is a quarterback-driven conference in the AFC. It's a quarterback-driven division with all literally all first-round picks in the AFC North. And so that's why so much rides on Kenny Pickett and not just him you know, being a starter and, and kind of being hopefully the guy going forward, but becoming that you know, at least top 10 type quarterback. All right. So uh, we'll see how we, we keep, it's, it's one of the things that keeps us busy, <laughs> something to write about during the off season, not that they mean a damn, but uh, we'll see how much the draft and, and free agency impacts the, the, the betting public as we move forward here. Same with the power rankings. I mean, the, mm. the game ended and power rankings are up and we know that means a whole hill of beans, but uh, something to write about there. Dave, yeah, something to write about this week. And you had a really good article on a name that you've heard a little bit in connection to Pittsburgh, but not a lot, but a name, as you argue, and I think you're right about that. You're going to hear more in connection to the Steelers at pick 17. And I'm hopefully getting the, the pronunciation here correctly. I heard Jonathan say it once, but Clemson defense alignment, Brian Brisset. Uh, seems to be a guy that checks a lot of boxes when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, look, and this is once you, you know, until you get time to start diving down deeper into some of these players, you look at the the narrative floating around. And I think up until, until I actually, boy, how great was Saturday? We could sit around. I don't know what you did, but I watched a lot of tape on, <laughs> on, 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 on Saturday. Finally, Heck was able to clear out a lot of time to, to watch a little, tape on a lot of players uh and uh brian brissy uh uh out of clemson there was one of those guys that i finally got around to and i think kind of my that what was in my head going into this was this guy was slam dunk top 15 no way he he's he's he 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 was he's not gonna fall guy you know, no, you're one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, when, when, when it came to that, but you know, you start getting a, a, a slightly better grasp of what you think might be the top of this class. And then you, you dive into his tape and, and all like that. Uh, I do think this now, look, I don't know where he's going to land yet because, you know, you had a, a Daniel Jeremiah come out, I think in his last mock draft and specifically say that, Teams are split on 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 uh, Brisse out of Clemson. There, when you look at him from a measurable standpoint, first and foremost, uh, he fits what the Steelers looks looks for. Right, six foot five and three eighths uh, uh, pre combine, three hundred five pounds. I think people have him gauged at about thirty three inch arms and ten and two eighths inch hands. If you look at the Alex Kazora. Uh, <laughs> what the Steelers look for when it comes to defensive linemen, as far as that that minor stuff goes, he fits it there. We know that the Steelers are uh, when it comes to defensive linemen that we're we're very very likely to see them interested in defensive linemen 
early in this draft and for obvious reasons that we've talked about. And even if they do go out and re-sign a Larry Ogan Joby, I think that defensive line is still a position that this team needs to address uh, early in this draft. So uh, when you look at it from that standpoint, when you look at it, it comes from, it comes out of a, uh, a, 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 you know, top power five uh, conference school in Clemson. Man, you go back, not that you can read way too much into it, but you go back to last year's Clemson Pro Day, uh, Mike Tomlin, you know, obviously front and center for that uh, generally every year. There's a good shot even on the Clemson football Twitter page of him uh, visiting with Brian at that uh, mm-hmm. there. Now, this is a kid that 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 uh, had a knee injury in 2021, kind of early in the season, caused him to miss the rest of that season. He was able to fight back through that and come back and play. In 2022, uh, hearts and smarts kind of kid. I think he's going to check those boxes. He unfortunately lost his younger sister to brain cancer. I think he also had uh, like a kidney uh, infection or something. I think that cost him some games. He was in the hospital for like a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, and you know, I had to overcome that. In, In the 2022 tape, that, that you look at on him, there are some, there are some uh, very strong positives in there, but there are some things that I, I think, and, and obviously I have to watch more, more of it there that I think, you know, was this part of this kid going through, you know, uh, the, the kidney issue and then still trying to trust that knee in his first season back. I, I think if you go back into his twenty. Uh, early 2021 tape before the knee injury, and then specifically his 2020 tape, I think you're going to find more of what you're looking for. Long story short, now, look, I don't know if this is going to be the guy or not. I don't know if he's going to be more of a seven, number, you know, 17th overall option, or is this a guy that could even fall down uh, to, to the 32nd overall pick overall? If you're, this is the way I leave it. If you're building a list of 10 to 20 players that you think could be uh, the pick at 17th overall or 32nd overall, uh, this kid needs to be on it. Yeah, I think it's a well-argued case that you're making there. I even like, I know that these are all little things and it's not the sale end all. It's not a smoking gun, but they add up. Uh, the Nick Eason is the defensive line coach right, at Clemson. Point. Who? Uh, well, it's a good. It's your point that you made that reminded me of that. It, it's a good one. The connection there, former Steeler, you know, in, in in Pittsburgh in general, has a very close relationship with the University of Clemson. Remember when Kevin Colbert went down there right. last year? They retired his jersey, kind of quote unquote, or gave him a jersey, a little uh, memento for for all the work down there. So Dabo Sweeney and that organization, uh, Clemson and Pittsburgh are like tied at the hip. We talk about Ohio State. We talk about you know, Pitt and, and Penn State, but like Clemson and, and Pittsburgh are, are the closest that you're going to find. And and Tomlin obviously has been going there forever. So so that's that's all well-reasoned. The only, the, the concerns are, as you said, he's kind of a polarizing guy. I know that Jonathan is not super high on him because he's so hot and cold and you know, didn't play consistent snaps this year. And what kind of guy are you going to get is the question with him. And I just look at a, a, a first-round pick, 17th overall, with 51 career tackles, nine career sacks, 15 career tackles for loss. I know obviously injuries impacted that, but that's also kind of the point. I mean, his see is this past season, 15 tackles in 10 games, three and a half sacks. Is that is that first round production for the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, overall, generally not. And 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 uh, you know, he did 
only play in 28 total games, but he did play in 28 total games. So there is the experience there. I think, and once again, I'm going to have to watch more of, of 2022 tape in there. I, I wonder how much, and you know, these will be things that, 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 that we'll learn more about him through the pre-draft process and the combine. And that's why I kind of specifically, you know, stated that after, after the combine, you know, maybe this is a guy you start seeing mock more to the Steelers mm-hmm. because we've got to find out what what those reasons are for what you just stated. Yeah, it's it's a lot of medical concerns. So medical is going to be obviously really important for him at the combine and, and production, like you said uh, right. uh, there. Uh, and that's probably why Daniel Daniel Jeremiah says this is you know teams are split on him. So. Uh, you know, you hope as you move through the rest of this off season here that you find out maybe the, does that narrative kind of go away? What's the real reason behind that narrative, but I'm willing to bet the, 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 the split teams are split on him. Comet does kind of center around what, 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 what you just highlighted there. You know, there is, there is the health kind of concerns there. Uh, there is the, the overall kind of lack of production, uh, how much, and I don't know the answer to this yet. How much does the, uh, cause he was evidently fantastic, uh, in, in, in 2020 and, okay. yeah. and then the knee, knee injury. And then early right. in 2021, he was as well too, before he went down with that knee injury. What was that? Uh, was that an ACL or was that something Yeah, it was else? ACL. ACL. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and then fast forward to 2022, all you know, all that was going on with his sister, and then obviously sure. coming back from that knee injury, and and uh, you know trusting that, and then you know the 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 other sickness that he had, and all like how much did all that imp- Those are the pieces of the puzzle right. that I or the questions that have to be answered uh, with him. So this is just a loosely, you know, this didn't calling the shot material right here but uh uh and i'm not even you know we had some people already fired back that no way he lasts until <laughs> 17 right you know right uh i mean i like i like the chance from from what i know and have watched of him so far i think there is a good chance he's on the board at 17 now the question becomes is he 17th overall worthy or are we talking about a guy that you still might get at 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 thirty second overall, right, and and just how does Pittsburgh ultimately weigh the lack of production versus okay he was hurt versus the talent the upside the potential freshman year type stuff I mean a lot of factors you have to to balance out to come to your conclusions so that makes him as you said kind of one of more the more split polarizing players in this year's class in terms of in a potential first round guy. So yeah, I think it's a good name to mention. I think it's a name we're going to hear about more. It fits from a pedigree standpoint, upside standpoint, size standpoint, need standpoint, you know, Andy Weidel, Trench standpoint, all that kind of stuff. So it, it would not surprise me if ultimately he became the guy, but again, there's a lot of competing factors. Of sure. Play here. Sure. And who else is on the board? Yada, yada, uh, yeah. uh who do they resign and, you know, all, all that, you know, what do they do during free agency or any, any of that? And look, props to Jonathan Heitzer too, because he, I think uh, he even had this kid in his summer scouting series, you know, right. uh, uh, dur- during the season there. And then uh, obviously uh, this was one of the first kids uh, in our, in our first run of uh, player profiles since the season ended. So uh, he is a guy, once again, I, I'll leave it at this. 
if you're building a group of 10 to 20 players that you think could wind up being the Steelers' first-round selection, I think he needs to be included on it as we sit here in the middle of February. I'm with you, and I think that probably will remain throughout the draft process unless the medicals are incredibly bad that were to take them off. And I don't know if they're going to actually be that bad. So uh, good point and good post. And I think there was a, a lot of good feedback on that, uh, that you wrote there, Dave. All right. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? I think we kind of hit on the big things, maybe a bit shorter show today with the uh, Super Bowl kind of dominating the conversation. Not a lot else news happening. Um, anything else, Dave, or we can get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Yeah. What's uh, tell the people what, what you may or may not do the rest of the week. Yeah, I think a uh, rough plan right now because you're going to be uh, out of town starting on Wednesday. So uh, we'll have myself and Josh Carney on for Wednesday's show and have a, a segment with Owen Straley, who was down there at the Shrine Bowl a couple of weeks ago, but could not be uh, was not available for the Shrine Table, uh, the Shrine Bowl roundtable, I should say, discussion that we had last week. So we'll have Owen on get his opinion. He focused primarily on the defensive backs. And so we'll pick his brains about the DBs there and then probably do the Friday show. Uh, Josh and myself, but we'll kind of play that one by ear. All right. Uh, I don't think uh, people really caught up with the Super Bowl. No, don't look like we have. Uh, let me see if we got anything in here. No that, stragglers. No, nothing that, that I missed. The other day. From, uh, long time, first time. I think we, I think I've got most of them caught up here. And and if anybody had theirs missed, I don't think they forwarded it back to me overall. So it might be a good idea just to do about an hour show today on the heels of the Super Bowl. And uh, uh, you already told people what's, oh, I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, what is this about getting back on that edge after oh, that's what i was trying or, to think what you called it uh farmers uh, i saw the ad <laughs> oh, oh, I, I saw the ad for farmer once a wife and i wondered uh if fox might have blogger once a wife uh on tap and then unprovoked you threw out there that you got back on the the hinge or the edge app edge. Or <laughs> what what happened there uh, nothing good. Yeah, let me get my overalls and I'll be on Farmer once a wife. Um, yeah, I'm on the uh, the Hinge app and uh, had one conversation and I get I get like red flags are going up immediately because she was way too interested in me for me being me like that. That that was way too much. And then uh, I got an alert a couple of days later from Hinge that uh, the her account was removed for fraudulent activity. So, you know, that's my life right now. Maybe you're on the wrong app here. Uh, um, does Waffle House have an app? Should I go on the Waffle House dating app? Do you think that's the better course of action? I mean, I don't know, I don't know if they have a dating portion to it, but uh, if, if Waffle House has any kind of app, maybe, maybe lower, lower, lower. I better be careful what I say. Yeah, lower you're your going to get yourself in trouble. Because I met my wife in a Waffle House. So, mm. uh, uh, but uh, anyway, I just had thought I'd have a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun at your expense there. Uh, you like those shows, though, don't you? Which shows? Those uh, Bachelorette and Bachelor and I I watched Farmer, a couple Farmer seasons. A wife. I, well, I'm not going to watch that. I, they, they they become so redundant. You've seen one season, you've seen them all, and so I have not le- legitimately not watched The Bachelor, Bachelorette in in several seasons now. And I don't watch. We don't watch. We're not TV watchers. Right. Like you don't you don't watch TV. I don't uh, watch TV. So that's kind of our lives. All right. Uh, now that we have that cleared up here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. You're quite welcome. <laughs> check, check to see if Waffle House has any kind of app. Or, I think they have anything. a, me- I think they have a menu to order. I don't know if there's a dating component. 
All right. Uh, let's see here. All right. In the meantime, you can follow me. Uh, once again, Alex will keep you busy for the rest of the week on the podcast. Uh, and in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Studios Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we uh, what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. If you want to add free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the add free button up right navigational bar uh that way uh and you know look we're going to be keeping you entertained all all off season here we hope so uh in the meantime as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex Are adventure and relaxation on your mind? Jump in the car and head to Fauquier County, Virginia this weekend. Just a short drive from D.C. off I-66 and nestled in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Fauquier County has it all, including picturesque hiking trails, Rappahannock River access, plus over 25 wineries, breweries, and cideries. Visit the many unique shops and farm-to-table restaurants of Fauquier County's towns and villages, or take in the many historical attractions suitable for all ages. Check out visitfauquiercounty.com. That's visit, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R.com. Fauquier County. Find what you love.